listening to Smart Casual, Image's first fashion podcast in partnership with Kildare Village. Welcome to this live episode of Smart Casual. Uh, my name is Dominique McMullen. I am the digital editor of Image Publications. And these are my two beautiful co-hosts, Marie Kelly, uh, who's the fashion director of Image, and Nevo Donahue, who is the digital leader. Welcome, guys. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'd like to welcome you all here this evening um, to the beautiful surrounds of Medley Restaurant. It's absolutely gorgeous here. Um, and to this very, like I said, special live recording of Smart Casual. We are delighted to welcome two phenomenal Irish women here to our live recording, Angela Scanlon and Sinead Burke. Um, both with, of which have achieved stratospheric success in the last few years. They're making faces at me, you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before that, I have a little bit of housekeeping to get to. We have a wonderful prize from Kildare Village uh, for the best social media post for this evening using the hashtag ImageSmartCasual. So feel free to whip out the phones, uh, whether that's a something like a great quote that has you inspired or a lovely image or whatever it is, feel free to share with the hashtag image smart casual and Kildare Village have provided a voucher for a hundred euro for Kildare Village and valet parking and hands-free shopping, which sounds very futuristic and exciting. Um, so before uh, we welcome our guests to the stage, we're going to start off the podcast as the same way we do every week with a little look back at the week and the brief look at our fashion highs. So I will start off with you, Marie Kelly. Well, so I was thinking about this slot that we do in Smart Casual every week and it occurred to me that I almost always end up talking about Irish design, which isn't a conscious thing, but is a really lovely thing. And it's actually no different this evening. So uh, my attention was drawn uh, this week to a new Irish design collective in um, the Chocolate Factory on King's Inn Street. And I didn't discover it, my fabulous editor discovered it and drew my attention to it. Um, but it's a really lovely collective of young emerging Irish designers creating really interesting product, everything from lighting to homewares to jewellery, really special pieces. Um, and there's a focus on sustainable design as well. So it's a great spot to go if you're looking for Christmas gifts. And it's just um, really reflective, I think, of what's happening in this country at the moment. There's a whole new wave of incredible designers, um, you know, doing incredible work at the moment and it's, it's really worth a look um, and on that note I wanted to flag as well that in our current issue the December issue of Image which is on uh, shelves now I was really fortunate to be able to devote our entire gift guide which was seven full pages to Irish design only um, this year and we've never done that before and what was so wonderful about it was it was so easy to fill those pages with incredible pieces um, it was it was such a beautiful piece to put together and it really reflects the, just the wealth of incredible design that's out there at the moment in this country, you know, so I just thought that was worth flagging and that was a real pleasure to work on for me. Is there anything on your Christmas wish list from Irish designers? Um, Mo Muse is always on my wish list. <coughs> Hi Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> always. <laughs> always. <laughs> Mo Muse, um, kind of slightly obsessed with them. Um, Margaret's earrings, so they're um, always on my wish list. <laughs> and what about you, Neve? Anything to caught your eye this week? Yeah, what caught my eye this week is luxury British um, retailer Stella McCartney. She has joined forces with the UN to create a fashion charter to tackle climate change and sustainability. And I think as luxury retailers go, Stella McCartney is arguably one of the most environmentally conscious um, 
she has devoted her entire brand to a no fur, no skin, no feather policy. And I think um, sustainability has really been like a fundamental pillar for her brand long before it was a bit of a buzzword nowadays. And I think her achievements as a designer, as an educator, as an entrepreneur, um, and just as a badass designer uh, really like um, really echo that. Um, so what the UN Charter is, it's basically a body that will help brands to be able to produce um, more ethically and sustainably produce. And even just this week, we saw one of the largest fashion houses in the world, Chanel, have came out and said that, Do you know what, we're not going to use fur or we're not going to use um, animal hide anymore. And I think it really reflects the mood of the industry at the minute. And there's, there's a real shift happening to accommodate more like conscious shoppers. Um, and as well as that, there's almost, there's um, a bigger emphasis, I think, on like social responsibility as well, and you can really see that filtering down from the designer at the top level right down to you and I as consumers I, as well. I, I think what's happening among those designers is reflective of what customers want, okay. because yeah. they're obviously only going to do what sells. And I think it, it is it is a movement that's happening among us shoppers that we just you know we want a more sustainable and more ethical. We're just more approach. aware. I think. Yeah, and I mean the quality of faux fur out there now is incredible. I mean it's incredible. It feels wonderful. I mean shrimps, for instance, is a Fabulous. fantastic yeah. label. Amazing faux fur coats um, stocked in Havana, I think, at the moment. Um, and so there's no need. But also like there's such a growing list of of eco designers like yeah. Stella McCartney, for instance. Vivian Westwood, Shrimps, Gucci, Versace. They're, they're, I think you just have to kind of maybe do your homework a bit, yeah. but they're all out there um, and it's wonderful to see. Yeah. It is for sure, yeah. My high is a little more self-serving, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, I have had a really difficult time finding any maternity wear. I had, I'm 20 weeks pregnant today. <laughs> Thank you. I've had my scan today, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I find it really, really hard to find any maternity wear. Um, you know, I, I think at, at, a t at a time like this, when you're, everything's changing, and you feel a little unsure about everything. Um, for me, the way I always make myself feel a little better and feel a little more self-confident is by putting on an awesome outfit, like this dress from Diana Furstenberg. But uh, I've had real difficulty finding any good clothes that fit me properly. Um, and it just actually really is affecting confidence, you know? You can't make yourself feel good when you're wearing clothes that you have to buy four sizes too big and that are big tenty or mumsy kind of dresses. Um, so I put it to social media last night to see if anyone had any recommendations. And unfortunately, like 90% of the people who came back said, A, that there just is nothing out there, or B, that just go in and buy really cheap quality clothes from somewhere two sizes or three sizes too big and you know that doesn't fit with my ethos, ethos the kind no. of ethos and that we doesn't have any about. feel good factor on, yeah. on any level loads yeah. of you know cheap tat you don't want that um there was one brand that was brought to my attention that is a very new irish label called the pod collection oh <laughs> good um, I wouldn't normally recommend something that I haven't actually tried before but a good few people um, whose opinion I definitely trust uh, said to me that it was you know top quality stuff and definitely worth a go so keep your eyes peeled and stay tuned I am um, going to give them a go soon um, and but where are they available Dominique is that an they're online available store it's online oh, yeah okay. if you just look at the pod collection they have a lovely Instagram page as well they have a small kind of capsule collection um, and it looks like they're kind of set to grow as well. They've got new different designers in. So it's just nice to see someone Irish doing something as well and being able to kind of support, yeah, support local. And on that note,
I'd like to welcome um, our guests to the stage, Angela Scanlon and Sinead Burke. Come on up. Now, these two guests need no welcome. Oh, hi. How are you? Sorry. Were we on while we were sitting there? No. Or did it just magically happen when we came up? I think you may have been a little no, bit on. Okay, fine. Sorry. When I <laughs> shouted Margaret, it was obviously a bit louder than I intended. Hi, Matt. Um, Hi. Um, uh, you guys don't need introductions, but I'm going to give you a little oh, bit of an introduction. <laughs> it's always a bit strange introducing people when they're looking directly at you. Yeah, but sorry, we'll look at you. <laughs> so Angela Scanlon. Uh, Angela Scanlon started off her career in styling, um, but she is now a TV personality across the UK and Ireland. I feel like you looking at me means I should <laughs> You should think yeah, that's it. Yes, like, yeah, that's I am. true. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what I am. <laughs> I mean. um, and Sinead Burke started off her career in academia, but it's your passion for design and absolute fascination with fashion that has led you to international spotlight these days. Uh, Sinead is also a contributing editor for British Vogue, has a business of fashion cover on her belt and a TED talk. So Casual. congratulations yeah. to both of you <laughs> <laughs> and welcome. Now, I know Marie, you had a very interesting question for them by the beginning of their career. So I guess I just wanted to kick off by, by asking, I mean, you both came to my attention several years ago because of your love of fashion, your interest in fashion. And I wonder, do you think that fashion gave you the platform for the success that you have now? Angela? Um, sure. <laughs> uh, did, did, did fashion give, give you the platform, the platform for the success? Because obviously you're not directly in fashion now, yeah. but that's where, where you started, how you kind of drew attention to yourself, I guess. I suppose, yeah. I mean, I think I started, I studied business. I kind of did it slightly arseways, for want of a better word, but I, I studied business thinking that I would go into fashion, but that I'd build a brand. That was always what I wanted to do was, you know, have, have a clothing label and, you know, multiple stores. And in my mind, that was kind of what I would what I would do and then I got into uh, I start, went to the loft actually I started working a boutique locally and um, and I didn't love that and I thought wow is this is a version of what I'm kind of creating for myself in my head and then I thought yeah no that's not for me and so I went to the loft um, and I started selling things there and then I got into personal shopping actually through mags directly <laughs> Um, and so she had a friend, yeah, um, Sinead, so I, I started uh, assisting her in Dundrum and it was through doing that that I came across telly, I suppose, you know, I did bits on Expose and then on Off the Rails afterwards and, and then realised that actually maybe I wanted to, uh, you know, speak about other things aside from fashion, but definitely that baseline was there. I was producing things, you know, not in the sense of making things, but producing items. And so it gave me a, uh, an understanding maybe of TV that people who had gone the traditional media route may not have done. And a confidence, do you think? Yeah, I think it probably did give me confidence. It certainly gave me a kind of sense of my own identity, I suppose. And, you know, when if I was sitting in a room, people knew, oh, yeah, that's, you know, she wears this. Or what, I, I kind of was quite vocal in my reluctance to fit into the shape of what I believed a TV presenter looked like. And and that probably has stood me in good stead because there's a people you know, whether they like it or not, they kind of know, oh yeah, yeah, I, you know, that's what she does. Yeah. 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 Sinead, what about you? It was never my intent to work in fashion. 
and it still feels very surreal to be able to articulate a sentence like that. My background is in education. I'm a primary school teacher with a master's in broadcasting randomly. But I suppose my realization about the fashion industry was in going shopping with my siblings. So I'm the eldest of five children. I have three sisters. And as the eldest, I felt it was my responsibility to lead them through the way of fashion. And I remember going through the retail experience with them. And because I'm disabled and they are not, there was this notion that they would pick up a pair of high heels and I would turn to my sister and say, put them down, they won't fit you. And she would look at me slightly alarmed and say, what do you mean? Like, it's actually you they won't fit. And that was a real point of focus for me because despite having more money, more interest, and understanding the power of fashion due to something that I had no control over, my genetic makeup, this industry had decided I wasn't welcome. And with a background in education, my interest then became insatiable because I would sit and read the Financial Times, the Business of Fashion, New York Times, WGSN. I wanted to know how the system worked, and that was for a couple of reasons. Because fashion is the one industry that legally we all have to participate in because we all have to wear clothes. <laughs> and yet, externally, there is this assumption that it is facetious or it is unnecessary. And I also realized that fashion was a powerful tool to influence the wider world. I mean, it intersects with the arts, it intersects with sports. You look at Virgil Abloh and what Serena and Nike have just created. It has wide impact. And I realized from a very early age that if I could position myself and enter into the room where powerful decisions are made in this industry, it could impact the wider world. But I used to sit at home and just absorb information. And I would have dinner with my parents and I would say, you know, isn't it really interesting that Adidas and the Stan Smith has become particularly well-known during the era of Phoebe Philo at Celine. But what are they going to do now that she has moved from being creative director there? Because, I mean, Nike have just taken over advocacy as a marketing campaign. They've brought in Colin Kaepernick. Sales initially went down 3%, but have now gone up 21%. What are Adidas going to do? Oh, of course, they're going to collaborate with Stella McCartney, and they're going to make a vegan Adidas Stan Smith to make sure that they still capture that market. And my parents were like, that's lovely. <laughs> is, there, like, is there anybody else you can talk to about this? And I, I, I live outside of Dublin, and I... Nobody who I went to school with or who I went to university with wanted to have this conversation. So the internet became this safe space where I could build a community and talk about the industry through the lens that I was interested in. And that is what changed everything. It is a tool to talk about broader social issues. Sinead, on the note of change, um, I know you're both quite vocal just naturally about sustainability and, and Irish design and beautiful, lovely things that are made from the earth and give back. How can women in the audience, women like me, make, make a, an impact or make a change via our wardrobes and the clothes we wear on a daily basis? I think there's a number of different reasons. It's about what you were talking about in the initial introduction, that the market will always respond to consumer trends. And whether that is spending power, but also the advocacy online, that as citizens, we are very vocal when things do not go right or things do not go well. We are less vocal when businesses step forward and do promising things. But it's also realizing that sustainability has a currency for some brands at the moment to talk about. And there are other brands like Mother of Pearl or the Irish designer Richard Malone, who their marketing is not always focused on their sustainability, despite that being part of their process and their system. But it's difficult. These brands are at a cost price that not everybody can afford. So it's often then the money that you do have and can spend, whether it is buying staple items that you can wear again and again that will wash well, so looking at the fabrics and the materials that they are made up of, and then update your wardrobe with accessories, which is what I did for such a long time when I couldn't fit 
within what was there in the industry. And I think it's just about asking yourself those questions. Too often we are unconscious consumers, and by being much more conscious, we have power in the decisions that we make. Angela, how about you? How do you think that we can implement and embrace change? I mean, I think it's actually, social media has a lot. I mean, I know we always bang on about it being the ruination of us and we all love it and it's so brilliant. And you know, as Sinead mentioned, it connects people who have shared values who might not live down the road from you. And it's, it makes the world a very small place, which is not a bad thing. But there's this kind of expectation that every single time you go on, everything you post should be she wore, that, she wore that last week, like that's a filthy thing to do. And um, I think that needs to change. It needs to be celebrated, people. Like that you wear, I mean, I, I love clothes, but I mean, I, I, I like the same clothes. <laughs> and and I, like, I love them the more I wear them because they hold memories for me and they, they are just a bit bobblier and more worn and familiar. Yeah, and, and I think, that should not feel like, oh shit, I can't take a picture today because I'm wearing the same thing I wore yesterday and the day before that and actually the day before that as well. And so we need to, as consumers of that media, actually celebrate people who rework things, yeah. who rewear things and who shop their wardrobe for want of a better um, And if a zip breaks, go get it fixed. Yeah. I imagine both of your wardrobes though, I mean, I, I'd, I'd actually love you to paint a picture for me. <laughs> You well, you it's not great on paper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm standing in front of Angela Scanlon's wardrobe. What do I see in front of me? Is it neat? Is it all over the place? Are there beautiful gowns neatly lined up? No, I'm guessing no. No, <laughs> it's an absolute shambles. Um, it's a more of a floor drobe situation. Um, yeah, it's not something I'm proud of particularly. I think it's better when it's on me than in there. Whereas, you know, in my head, I'm the girl who owns that like big, fabulous wardrobe where everything's color coordinated and, you know, the shoes are uplit and all that malarkey. But no, every, I have a big basket. It's like a trunk, it sits on our landing. It's full to the hilt of shoes. Most of them down the bottom are quite dusty now. Whatever is close to hand gets picked out. Jeans consume a massive portion of my wardrobe, but also my home. Um, yeah, <laughs> that too, that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I try to, you know, I used to do the hanging thing where I'd be like, oh, isn't that a lovely dress? Or these shoes are a work of art. And then I'd kind of go, no, they're actually just a dusty little coven for creatures. And so now I try to put it away, even if it's in, you know, a little ball, it's kind of out of sight. Uh, and then whatever lands on the floor, whether it's clean or dirty, goes into the wash and the whole process begins <laughs> again. And then I get so sick. Sorry, it's a real issue for me. And I did try to do that Marie Kondo thing and it worked for 10 minutes. I didn't get to the end of the process, which is apparently the thing that you have to get to the end. I was busy. And so I um, got halfway there. I was like, do you know what? I've got this. It's absolutely cool. I'm a changed woman. And, um, but I do get to that point where I'm literally smothering under the weight of stuff and then I pass on. So I, d I have a system. So those close to me, have a look in that bag. Do you want it? Does someone you know want it? Have a look in the bag. Do you want to re-gift it to somebody? Have a look there. And then it's charity shop. I have like local charity shops that I, that I give to or I'll send precious things to I'm friends. I'm a size eight. That size eight. Done. Yeah, yeah. 
the, and it's weird. I, do, I did that recently. I sent a, a beautiful le a Balenciaga leather jacket. It was the most expensive thing I've ever bought. It was secondhand. And from a, a company that went out of business that was like selling secondhand stuff called the Covetour, set up by an Irish one. Actually, real shame that it didn't work. But anyway, I got a lovely jacket, but it never quite was right for me and so I could never throw it away because I was like that was a bar it was a lot it was kind of a time in my life I couldn't throw it away and I put it in a jiffy bag sexy and uh, and I sent it to a friend and she loves it and she'll wear it hopefully she, I mean she's not gonna tell me she hates it she's like why don't you send me that jacket but um yeah I think the sisterhood of the traveling Balenciaga jacket. exactly yeah make it happen Sinead yeah. Sinead, I imagine, you, I mean, you have some really incredible pieces now. I imagine you must, I, please don't tell me you have like some of those dresses on the floor. <laughs> uh, so not on the floor, but because of my size, I'm 105 and a half centimetres tall. It means that I only take up half the length of my bed. So I don't have a floor drop, but like a bed mountain. <laughs> uh, until in the point in which it erupts and then it all lands across the floor and it makes a lovely like scenescape. Um, but I am very fortunate to travel quite a bit, which means that I am in a suitcase, out of a suitcase. So I'm trying, my, my, my mission for 2018 was to be better about that. And purely from my mother who was like, you know, you talk about clothes and clothes are so important to you that treat them well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the sustainability process that for me it was like getting longevity out of the pieces that I have by, by treating them kindly. Um, so it's trying to do that. I just bought a steamer and that has transformed my entire oh, life. <sighs> I mean, it, like, well, ironing is so inaccessible due to the height of an ironing board and it's so difficult to make it lower that that was always my excuse for wearing creased clothes. So but you can also iron on the floor with a towel. <laughs> Handy tip. It's not something or I Or on yourself, not no, advisable. No. Steam. <laughs> Just do that. The steamer works though. It does, yeah. And yeah, I'm incredibly fortunate that over the past year to have been working with a number of amazing designers. Go on, name them. It's yeah, quite yeah, a list. It's anywhere. quite a list. Uh, <laughs> have you seen her Prada shoes, lad? <laughs> Size 12 for the, the children's The dinkiest little things. They're um, the cutest. No, I have some amazing pieces from Christopher Kane, from Richard Malone, from Burberry. I'm just like the luckiest person on the planet. I really am. What's been your most wow moment over the last few years? where you've turned around and gone, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. We live in a country of four million people. And in many ways, my access to the people who make decisions within the global fashion industry was always through the lens of magazines or through television programs. The characters may not have existed. And I actually wouldn't have known the difference because it was rare that I came into physical contact with them here in Ireland. And to be in a position where you are sitting around a table with the people who have transformed fashion for decades and will continue to do so, and then be able to bring other voices with you who, up until now, for systemic reasons, haven't had a seat at the table. I mean, it's a gift. It really is. And you're doing a fantastic job. Ah, I cause chaos and then I leave. <laughs> <laughs> Angela, what about you? Have you had any wow moments over the last Ooh. few years? Is this like a f specifically fashion wear moment? <laughs> we'll do a fashion wear moment and then you can do a non I mean, this year's been to. a bit quiet on that front. I'm not going to You've been like, fairly busy. I had a baby in yeah. Feb. That was pretty wow. <laughs> pretty sore, too. Um, <laughs> they don't tell you that. They don't tell you that. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's up there, isn't it? Uh, I did last weekend just because my memory's a bit shit there might have been like more glam things but I can't remember um but I did just last weekend go to a very um wild and like not glam 
party, a birthday party of a friend of mine. Oh. Who? <laughs> Louis Theroux was there. <laughs> I know. That was my reaction. <laughs> and I had tequila shots with the Louis Theroux. Oh so for me, I'm done now. I can just sit back. Doesn't get better than that for me. I mean, it's not like stylish and nor is he. And ladies, on the subject of style, are there any Irish women whose style you feel is, is pretty iconic at the moment? We, we talk a lot on Smart Casual about who are sort of style icons are in Ireland. And I know I've mentioned Alice Marr, the artist before, and I think Dominique, you've mentioned Sonia Lennon. Any Irish women who you look up to and think, wow, she's just really got something going on with her style? Do you want to go? I, I mean, we feel can like ponder. I talked a lot about Louis. <laughs> but the people want more. Look at, look at the anticipation in the audience. You can't feel it on the podcast. It's tangible, Andrew. Give it to them. <laughs> Sinead, I'm sure there are Irish Irish designers or Irish women that you're aware of, even from afar that you must I'm, be aware I'm of. I'm going to be bold and say a number of people, if that's okay. Oh, please. Um, so, uh, a couple of people who I admire, not necessarily just in terms of their own personal style, but the work that they do in the industry. Dean Quinn is an amazing young Irish man, um, and he works at Versace. And the collection that just debuted at New York, he designed entirely. Um, and he is extraordinary. And I think there's people like Neve Watmore, who works at Burberry, um, who is also incredible. I think there's somebody like Emma DeBeery, who is so beautiful and has a new book coming out next year. And I think when we're having these conversations, we need to make sure that they are as intersectional as possible. And then, just like, I mean, my mom was never taken in or interested in fashion in the system or in the industry sense. but always found things that suited her and that gave her confidence and whether that was uh, at a wedding or something like that and just that ease that she had with clothes that it was never about the performance of it for other people but about herself continuously like speaks to me and she's like I have clothes that I consider not the man repeller like Leandra but like the mom repeller where I'll walk in wearing things she's like where are you going with that now (laughs) will that be in public and I'm like yes she's like Take it off. <laughs> and do you? Sometimes. Oh. See, because sometimes, because now, my best friend is an amazing human being, but my mantra is always like, more is more. Yeah, yeah. Which is not always conducive to real life. Yeah, okay. And I need certain times some people to rein me in going, really? You're going to put all of that on? <laughs> At once? <laughs> Is it necessary? Like, could you do something else tomorrow? Could you, like, wear a bit of that? Yeah. Yeah. So I need people like that because I will come out... All guns blazing. All the time. Yeah. And I'm a lot of personality as it is. I don't need clothes to do everything for me. (laughs) (laughs) You need to meet in the middle, you know what I mean? Meet in the middle. I mean, I'm wearing a full-length red dress on stage. I love it. What day is today? Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, she's all smart casual. What happens on a Friday? (laughs) Capes. Capes. But I was like, Wednesday, recording a podcast, I mean, let's yeah. do it. Why not? I'm in. Yeah. yeah. So every you know, every day is a Friday. I, yeah. I mean, look at Dominique. I, is head I to like to do understated. I'm not. Yeah. See? See? More is more. Get up and do a twirl. Don't encourage me, Don't encourage me. I'm sitting here. Angela, what about you? Any Irish women? Yeah, I suppose my styling background probably introduced me to, uh, like, I like people who can put together things that are unexpected and that they have their own sense of identity. Um, Shivy Roach, who I think might be here tonight. There she is. Um, sorry. Uh, she's right there. That's uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> um, uh, 
but she is amazing. You can, I'm not going to make you twirl, but have a look at her later. And um, yeah, just has a real understanding of how to uh, how to put clothes together, or style. A style. Does, not that it doesn't change, but it's got like she just gets it. Uh, Celestine Cooney, another um, amazing stylist, uh, Ashton Farnell, who I worked, and all for very different reasons, like really different style. Oh, is she? Hello. Oh God, hi. Um, um, Blonde Tennessee, basically pals of mine, I suppose that I look at. Um, and that I think have like know know what they're doing, but also never deviate. They understand how trend work, trends work. They're inspired by them, but they're like they inherently this, they true have this to themselves. Innate understanding about yeah. the relationship between clothes and confidence. Do you yeah, ever walk yeah. down the street and somebody walks past you, and whether it is an ensemble that you would wear or you wouldn't, you're like, wow, dude, got it. Yeah, yeah. own it. Yeah. And yeah, so much respect for something mm -hmm. like that. You both have that in spades, by the way. Well, we try. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you stay true to your personal style? Because I know, um, just given my age, I'm, I'm in my 20s, so I, I do find myself quite influenced by Instagram culture. And, you know, I wanted the, the black and white aesthetically pleasing feed, and I wanted the perfect images, but it also meant changing the way I saw myself and what I wore on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, I'm a colourful person, and I can't even believe that I'm wearing this. <laughs> Love it. She's wearing um, all black, just for our listeners at home. I can't say the B word out loud. Um, how do you remain true to your personal style? Because obviously you work with stylists yeah. pretty much all the time. So how do you, like, is there ever a time when they're throwing something at you and you're just like, yeah. this ain't me? Yeah. And, and like that can be quite awkward as well. Um, because, but again, maybe my background as a stylist means that I can have quite a frank conversation with whether it's a makeup artist because I know that their intent is for me to look good. They're not trying to sabotage me by putting some old shite on me. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, and so, yeah, so I think sometimes people can feel like maybe um, it's an us and them, whereas I understand that actually it's a, it is a quite a collaborative thing because of uh, that's what I used to do. And so, um, yeah, you, I think you know ultimately what you're comfortable in. And for me, I'm, if I trust someone, I will surrender a little bit and understand that I can get stuck just as much as anybody else can. So it's quite nice to be prodded out of my comfort zone. So I try to embrace that, but ultimately remember that if I'm sitting down interviewing someone, that what I want to be doing is engaging with the person, listening to what they're saying, not wondering whether my arse cheek is hanging out. And so that, that would viral. it would, <laughs> maybe I should do that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that actually being like comfortable. Yeah. Um, What's your go-to yeah. comfort outfit? I love a boiler suit, but I mean that's man repeller stuff. But I'm into it. A corduroy one. I've done two in the last number of weeks, and you know. Do you pair it with a boot? Usually, yeah. What kind of boot? <laughs> <laughs> Depends. I'm just interested, I'm like, is it white leather? One white leather See, with a pink corduroy, yeah. yeah. If it's a rust corduroy, um, you know, a snakeskin boot, oh. controversial, yeah, but I like a mix of textures. So. Absolutely. Yeah, it depends <laughs> on the, the day, palette. really. It's the palette, yeah. yeah. But also, I think a boot kind of rooted in a slightly, you know, working kind mm. of girl vibe. Yeah. You know, it's not like... Functional and form. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, into it. That's the kind of thought process, you know. Yeah, but it's uniform. It's a uniform. Yeah. And for like a lazy, 
busy, per, that idea of a uniform, like I have that on a daily basis and actually it's the one thing being on telly is like, oh gee, I love the doing of it. The getting dressed is actually sometimes a real pain. Not getting dressed, but like thinking about what you're wearing. Do you do you lay out your clothes tonight before? Because no. we've had so many arguments about this. I, I can't go to sleep. I can't turn off my brain without real like thinking. Do I have the earrings? Do I have the shoes? Do I have the knickers? Oh wow! Oh yeah. No. What's your no. star sign, Niamh? Pardon? What's your star sign? Cancer. Hmm. I'm not oh, sure what just, that means. You know, no, I'm not really invested. <laughs> but I'm a but I'm a Virgo, and everybody's like, oh, you must be I'm really organised. And I'm like, me, mm. me and Marie are both Virgos. Yeah. People are like, you're always really organised, and I'm like, you believe that. Yeah, um, and what about you, Sinead? Do you have kind of a go-to outfit? Um, so my personal style is probably a little bit different in that I grew up with this mantra, don't wear what you like, wear what fits. And that was due to a lack of, a lack of access. So whilst I wanted to wear the full-length red Prada dress, it wasn't something that I could make work. And moving into an industry where there's lots of people participating in the conversation where we're making that happen mm. is transformative so you're now getting to really explore in that whereas a lot of kind of what I would wear in my teenage years and my early 20s would have been a lot of black and updating it with accessories whereas my wardrobe is now very fortunate this palette of color and texture and enthusiasm and energy and for me it's kind of that notion that even if you do have a set style don't be also afraid to break out of that yeah. and to like explore and what's the worst that can happen you try something on and you don't feel great in it or you know or yeah. Like, and I think when you have life. when you have a kind of like adverse relationship with your body, like you have, or had, um, I think it gives you a greater respect for the clothes as well, and to be able to experiment and dip in and out of trends and try things and and not feel ashamed or embarrassed for walking out and holding your head up high because you're wearing something crazy. My challenge was always that I probably loved my body a bit too much. I was just frustrated with the ways in which other people didn't, yeah. or the ways in which other people didn't realize it existed. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I never felt that the fashion industry was malicious in its exclusion of me. It's I just, just ignorant. They just didn't know. They'd never thought of it. And, and even now, it's amazing the amount of conversations that you can have with leaders where you're talking about, you know, one in four people are disabled. And this is a population the size of China. And it's, if we do not have the representation in every different sector, how can these conversations ever happen? So being able to explore with that and, yeah, I mean, I just like to have fun with clothes and get to collaborate with incredible people. I'm like, more of that, less of that. And, and what do you see now for the future of kind of fashion now that you have your voice in it? What do you, maybe what do you hope to happen? So my interest in fashion is a microcosm of the classroom. So I was a primary school teacher not far from here in the inner city. And one of the things that I learned really quickly was that the curriculum was designed by people who never considered the children that I taught. So when we were teaching about homes, we were teaching about cottages with thatched roofs. We were teaching about bungalows. We were teaching about terrace and semi-detached. We never spoke about flat. That vocabulary was not in the curriculum. Nor did we ever talk about the fact that you might be homeless. Because the people who were designing the curriculum didn't ever think that that could happen to somebody like them. And realizing that I had to bring the outside world into my classroom and bring my children as collaborators in creating a curriculum that was for them, rather than me being the authoritative teacher at the top of the room who knew everything. It is the exact same what has to happen in fashion. The CEO has to have a conversation with the consumer and every other different intersection in between. And the more voices that we can have that are intersectional that can say, do you know what, I actually really need this kind of product or I need this service from the industry because of the inaccessibility in the retail environment. The more that can happen, I mean, it's going to have to advance, both financially, creatively and socially. Do you see that? Do you see that trickling down? So, obviously, we'd all love beautiful Stella McCartney dresses and 
is it is it realistic to say that there will be a time where um, where anyone with a disability can walk into beautiful boutiques and, and buy those clothes? So I was always really deliberate in my positioning. So if I started the conversation that I wanted to have at High Street, the luxury fashion industry would not be interested because I had literally put a price of myself that was less than 100 euro. Whereas if you can convince the CEOs of the conglomerates who own and monopolize the fashion industry, it trickles down because the High Street is influenced by luxury not the inverse. So it is about creating the system. And we've already seen that. I mean, ASOS created this beautiful campaign where they had a model who was a wheelchair user wearing this jumpsuit that they made that was accessible in terms of technologies and fabrics. We have Tommy Hilfiger doing an adaptive collection. We have River Island including disabled models in their children's wear. And what we constantly need to ask is who is not in the room? And that's in every conversation, be it you work in fashion, be it you not, because we need to create change systemically, not just in one industry. Absolutely. Um, anything I say after this doesn't going to feel like a good oh, question. Do you get So I suppose my kind of final question for both of you would be: What is next for both of you? World domination. Sleep. Kip, good kip. sleep. <laughs> Turkey. Oh, are you vegetarian? Sometimes. <laughs> I hope you both have a good break planned for Christmas at the very least. I don't yeah, do nothing. I can't wait for Christmas. Pajamas. I love Christmas so much. Fluffy socks. Yeah. Sorry. Please. Priorities. Um, yeah. What's next? Oh. I don't know. But that's, that's good. What's There's great. no big plans. You're I, just seeing what happens. I did two things at the start of this year that I was that has shaped everything. So I asked a number of friends who work in different industries, some of them who are in the room tonight, to be advisors to me. To, they are the people I go to, usually through WhatsApp, going, what do you think? Is this a mad idea? Should I do this? Is this? What do you think? And they give me guidance and, and support. And then, yeah, there's how I make decisions is I ask myself four questions. Does this advance my dreams and objectives? Does this pay the rent? Does this give back? And does this bring other people with me? And unless opportunities say yes to more than one of those things, I say no. And that has really helped steer me through the things that I want to do and the things that are not right for me, not right now. And hopefully I can continue that next year. So, yeah. I just bring people, just annoy friends. I'm like, so? And they're like, Sinead, I have a real job. And I'm like, yeah, but what do you think? Like, my life is so dramatic. I mean, it's just so busy. What were you doing today? I had a fitting. It was terrible. It's terrible. Terrible life. Angela, what about you? What's next for you? Um, a chat show. Yeah, on the hit list. It's on the hit list. I want to see it. Yeah, think um, of who could be listening to this? Commissioners. Who? Who's, li- I want to who's see the listening? Who's listening? <laughs> I want to see the Angela Scanlon show, and I want to be on the opening episode. Done, done, and done. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. Long game. I did put it out there in an interview I did recently because I do believe in chucking them out into the ether, oh, yeah. see what lands. It's out there now, wherever yeah. you are listening I mean, out there. I, I really hope you did want that because I'm yeah, just... No, 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 okay, we're there. Good. Um, but, uh, it's like, I've got me a gig. I do, and this is a slightly different... Uh, so you know Brendan O'Carroll? Yes. yes. Mrs. Brown. I mean, not that he's my life icon or anything, but I do actually really <laughs> admire um, what he's created, yes. okay? Purely because... You know, in BBC, they're like absolutely raging that like this mad Irish granny is like the hit show on the network. And they're like this. It makes them 
itchy and uncomfortable and it's lovely. But I remember somebody saying uh, to him, oh, like, well done, what you've done with Mrs. Brown, it's amazing. And he said, well, you know what, it's like this, if you fling enough shit at the wall for long enough, <laughs> something stick. will stick, which is like, not on Brandon, it's not fabulous or anything, but actually, I quite like the, the idea of that, of that persistence and yeah. knowing yeah. what you want. And his, he made it sound slightly haphazard and throwaway, but actually, the idea of knowing ultimately what you want, and um, I'm Capricorn, so ah. I'm a ghost. Oh. So I'm I'm quite like impatient like day to day, but long term quite worker. patient. Yeah. yeah. So progress, I'm okay once there's progress, and thankfully, like the progression is okay. You know, inside my head is an awful place to be at times. Yeah. But um, you know, outwardly we're grand. But it's something that I think we all deal with. Yeah. And like yeah. we need to turn that monologue off because the rest of the world wouldn't say the most awful things that we say to ourselves. Absolutely. Like I think yeah. I'm amazing. Yeah. I think you're amazing too. I think you're amazing. Thanks, <laughs> you are you are both amazing. You're both doing okay. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good note for a send-off. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Brendan O'Carroll, sorry. Thank you, yeah. Thank, sorry to Brendan yeah. O'Carroll. Thank you to Angela <laughs> Thank you to Sinead for thank a fabulous guest. Pleasure, thank you. And I'd also like to thank my equally fabulous co-hosts, Nevo Donihu and Marie Kelly. Thank you so much for this evening. Um, I'd like to thank our partner, Kildare Village, for being the most wonderful partner. Um, I'd like to thank Medley, the location that we're in this evening, which is absolutely beautiful, and to Floral Image for providing our flowers. Beautiful. Which are gorgeous. Um, thank you, as always, to Team Image. You are absolutely stunning, and you never cease to amaze me how you pull together these gorgeous events. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you to Kathy, who is doing our sign this evening. And um, who else do I have to thank? V, v <laughs> thank Ford. You. Go on, then. Thank you to Kildare, Mr. Philip, to yes. Valerie Ford. And to Emily. Um, and to Emily, of course. <laughs> thank you, Emily. Uh, and thank you to our listeners, our live audience, and thank you to everybody who's listening at home. Um, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe if I you enjoyed this episode. Mm. I know, I always feel like I should do it with a wink yeah. at the end. Um, <laughs> um, so thank you again to everybody, and thank you again to our thank wonderful you. Thank you. Yes. It's lovely um, to be here. Such yeah. a treat. Yeah. And I hope you all have a happy Christmas. <laughs> 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 <laughs>